Primaris Lieutenants, and welcome to episode 104 of the Grimdark Podcast. This is James. And this is Mike. If you join us for the first time, we're a podcast devoted to role-playing in the 41st millennium. We cover the game system created by Ulysses North America, and we talk about general gaming altogether too. Um, we have a regular run-through for our show, but normally before we do that, we talk about what we've been up to. It's been a month, or a bit over a month since we last recorded. Uh, what is it now? So, well, it's nearly two months. 24th of April. Last one was done on the 3rd of March, so... Good wow. job, James. Good yeah, job. I mean, well, it, job is it because I, I changed jobs in the last uh, in the last two months. That's probably been the biggest time sink for me has been to uh, get used to that. And my new job is like a two hour drive from home, so four hours out of my day are lost, lost just going to and from work. I, I will get to work from home most days of the week going forward, from pretty much from last week onwards. But the first few weeks, obviously, I had to meet my new team and get used to all the systems and I actually just had to travel down to Melbourne for work as well. Um, yeah. But I caught up with um, with Chris from the, who you would have been familiar with from our um, YouTube campaign down there as well. We went to the Melbourne Comedy Festival and saw some live comedy, which it was dreadful. I didn't think very much of it all, to be honest. Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, that's not anything to do with 40K. Um, but what is to do with 40K is we played your Wrath and Glory game, I think at least twice. In yes, yes, we've yeah. had two games of that. Yeah. So we had, um, it was a two-part well, well we, so we had the second half of a two-part. Oh, yeah. no, maybe it's, it's hard to work out with the timing right now. Maybe we had both parts of the two-part and the first part of a new two-part. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the case. Yeah, we certainly went into um, some more group issues <laughs> so far. Like we had uh, uh, one of our players, I, I think we've mentioned him on the, on the show before, but basically um, has made a, a combat character despite sort of our session zero, Mike, sort of saying this is not going to be a combat-focused campaign. It will have combat in it, but it won't be the focus. And that player basically saying, look, if there's no combat in this game, I might just not play, basically. Um, and I've anyway, seen some various arguments about the the canonity of his character refusing to take part under certain circumstances. I won't go into the full details, but yeah. let's just say we don't exactly have a surfeit of players looking to join our group right now, so we work with what we've got. <laughs> but uh, no, look, I mean, the games went, went well anyway. Um, I've also run Battletech in that yep. time, so that's still going well. I've sort of um, started planning for the next little arc of Battletech, doing a little bit differently from the first one or from the current stuff so far, just more a case of giving some variety to the game as well to keep it fresh. Uh, what else? Oh, well, on Battletech, I also have once again been um, very graciously invited back to join the AP Gaming Real cast on uh, on Twitch and YouTube, so I did the first 
week last week with that group. I'm doing the second week this week, and it'll probably go for a third week as well. Uh, this time around, though, I'm playing the villains in the campaign, uh, which is interesting because historically when they've had a guest come on and play the villains, uh, the host has just sort of hung back and administered the rules pretty much. Uh, this time around, because there's so many allied NPCs to the PCs, he is helping to control the, the good guys as such. So it's sort of me versus the host and the standard crew. And I think, like, there's sort of been this mystique around my appearance on these shows because I originally came in as a member of the Catalyst demo team and I've been playing Battletech since it began. So a lot of what I did early on was help the cast, I guess, get around some of the more unusual rules and work on a few tactics. Yeah. And they've sort of got this idea in their heads that me being against them is going to result in a horrible, you know, <laughs> loss for them, especially because the GM or the, the, the person running it certainly gave me a, a pretty substantial force to fight them with. And uh, I now feel like there is a an expectation on me that if I don't get a total party kill, you know, that I'll somehow have failed the audience. <laughs> but obviously I don't want to <laughs> go and wipe out the, uh, the the cast. So in actuality, the, the host of the show actually messaged me on Twitter uh, between last week and this week, so saying, feel free to go a little bit easier on the, on the team if you want. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think at the start of the game, I was outnumbered uh, 12 to 5, and um, I've managed to reduce that outnumbering down to 9 to 5, so oh, in yeah. the first session. Yeah, yeah. but uh, look, to be honest, I think I've taken more damage than my demeanor on the show would have indicated, so they may be feeling unconfident because I seemed confident, even though in reality I was... Yeah, but you're playing clanners, aren't you? Exactly right. Yeah, 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 you're supposed to be confident. Well, that's it. I mean, the GM told me they were overconfident, so even the fact... I, I, I deliberately used probably some overconfident tactics, including not sticking to cover, you know, in the first few rounds, just to sort of, you know, portray that, I guess, as well. So it's, a, it's, it's as much a role-playing game as it is a war game. Yeah. You know, I'm certainly not playing it as I was playing in a tournament, so... Uh, and then I guess lastly on the last month in gaming was, so this weekend just passed was uh, the Icon Gaming Convention weekend, which I've gone to in yep. the past. Originally, I was going to take my kids along um, and maybe even run some Shadowrun there, but uh, it turns out that they normally on the Easter Con, they have what they call Kids Day on Easter Sunday, or Easter Saturday, sorry, which is basically like bring young school-aged children along and they can learn to game. Uh, I know it wasn't on last year because um, the person that runs the con, his partner who sort of facilitates Kids Day, she just had a baby. Um, but I did think it was going on this year. Unfortunately, it looks like they couldn't get it to get going this year. So I actually didn't end up going on to the con at all, but I was still sort of missing the whole short session gameplay experience. So I, I reached out to some other friends and I actually went and ran a session of uh, Legend of the Five Rings, just a, just a one-off session um, for a, a group that day. Uh, I decided to go with the fourth edition, which is the sort of the last roll and keep version under the AEG license before it went to FFG to the new system. I just, I didn't have time to learn the new system prior to running a session. So I ran it with the fourth ed game and that, that was fun to be honest. You know, I, I think the, the player that was most keen to play it, she has a, a keen interest in, in Japan and all of it sort of, I guess, aesthetic. So I think she had a good time with it too. Although we ended up in a situation where they, the pregens they chose all pretty much had traits like, Antisocial, insensitive, obtuse, you know, so <laughs> it, it was still a talky game, but it was, yeah, it was a, a very blunt talky game, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, now, one last thing I want to do before we get on to talking about the show is 
Uh, as you'll be aware, if you listen to our show regularly, we always have the stinger at the front for the D20 Radio Network, which is a network of gaming podcasts. And it was pointed out to me that uh, all the shows on the network should be doing what they can to try and cross-promote. And a lot of those shows will choose a featured podcast of the week just to simply call your attention to the fact there are other podcasts on the network and maybe you might like to listen to those too. So we'll be doing that as well now as going forward. Yep. And it was quite fortuitous this week because a new podcast has just joined the D20 Radio Network, in, in, in recent months anyway, and that is the Squad Tactica podcast, which is actually a Kill Team, 40K Kill Team podcast. So, you know, make sure you check them out. It's d20radio.com, and you can find all the various network podcasts there, but uh, check out the guys at Squad Tactica as well, especially if you're in a Kill Team. Yeah. And the last thing I want to point out is that our, our very gracious editor for the show has also started his own uh, YouTube uh, Wrath and Glory campaign recently on his channel, Sim- Simulcry TV. Uh, so I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. So do check that out as well, so you can see what they're up to with their game as well, and watch them live on it live. But watch some um, some Wrath and Glory being played. Some pre-recorded. Some pre-recorded Wrath and Glory being well, played. It, live. it was live when they recorded it. It was. That yes. They weren't using the undead to record it. Yes. yes. Well done. You should be a father of those sort of jokes, Mike. Uh, all right. So on to today's episode, we'll do our regular news section. Um, we had spoken about this being a. I guess a Primaris episode. Um, originally, from a system point of view, I want to talk about the Space Marine or the Primaris Space Marine species, but I'll actually cover the rules for all Space Marines, both um, Astartes and Primaris, yep. for the purposes of um, uh, this. I want to talk about the systems around the changes to races that cost points and what benefits you get and how that works into balancing the system as well. Uh, then we'll talk about the Primaris Intercessor as an archetype directly. Uh, we're going to review Shadow Spear. Um, Shadow Spear is a recent box set for 40k, but it does introduce some new material to the game from the point of view of Primaris, both in terms of law and rules that we'll cover off. Yep. Uh, and then for a discussion topic, keeping in line with it all, uh, I want to talk about Space Marine campaigns in Wrath and Glory because it is a bit different from what you had in the past with Death Watch, or at least it doesn't need to be the same as Death Watch anyway. So yep. we'll talk about some considerations there as well. Then we'll do our regular community section and finish off the show. Anyway, so let's get straight into the news. Command acknowledged accessing Imperial archives. Right, so obviously when a bit of time passes, uh, there'll be a lot of news. Uh, all right, so starting off with Ulysses North America. So we haven't seen anything still once again from Ulysses on the Wrath and Glory front. Um, quite a few people have sort of started to ping their Facebook page or, you know, people are speculating on what's going on and, and obviously others have pointed out that we knew that we know there's another book coming this year, which is Imperium Nihilus. And they're obviously focused right now on the fact that I've got some other Kickstarters going for projects like Torg. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised we're not seeing a lot right now. I think that the community would like some more engagement, but it's not enough so that I've gotten worried. I have seen a couple of conversations on Wrath and Glory Facebook pages, like unofficial ones as well, where some people have commented who it sounds like they have been involved with the development project as well that's sort of given some insight to what's going on. I think one that was posted recently was someone was complaining about the rules for Ogren, which were a pre-order bonus for uh, Wrath and Glory and just saying they, they didn't feel entirely balanced. And somebody responded to that jumping in saying that, yeah, they were released for, you know, they were put together in a hurry, released for the um, pre-order and that they will appear in you know, Imperium Nihilus uh, again, so that way if you, didn't, if you didn't get the rules during the pre-order, there will still be a way to get the rules for Ogren, maybe for Rattlings as well, I'm not sure. Um, and that, you know, 
there was more of a chance to play test and develop them and and update them for make sure they're balanced. Yeah, the release of the actual book as well. So yeah, uh, and of course that person then when there were questions, they said, "Oh yeah, I was involved in writing it, but I can't say anymore." So there uh, we go. We, we can pretty much say it sounds like Ogren will be included in some capacity in Imperium Nihilus, and we know they're still working on it as well. So I would say at this point in time, it's now April. Um, I would probably expect to hear some more around Origins or worst case scenario, Gen Con. Yeah. Uh, and we'll work out, we'll see what's going on from there. Uh, on the other hand, Cubicle 7 has been um, doing a lot of uh, communication. They actually have a weekly Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay blog happening on their website. Uh, you know, and individual posts might be quite small things about the setting or about stuff they're working on. But I suppose the major takeaways I saw going back through the last several weeks was that um, we already knew they were working on updating the Enemy Within campaign for, yep. for the new version. And that they expect the books for that should be hitting the shelves starting in Q3 of 2019. So once again, maybe around Gen Con time. Uh, and they also said that, um, and this is only in the last week, that anybody that pre-ordered the Wifrit book uh, should have received a PDF book called Buildings of the Reichland, uh, like this week, basically. And that book itself would be available for sale on general drive-through RPG in about a month's time. So I don't know what it is. It doesn't look like it's an adventure. Maybe it's like a book of maps or I don't know what it could be, but there's just some extra material. Architectural plans. Architectural plans, that's it, yeah. yeah. yeah so you can build your own grim and dark fantasy house maybe, you know. Yeah, so you can build your own personal village on your own several acres of land. Yeah, that's it. You exactly. just have to clear out the goblins first and then you got the land. <laughs> What's the problem? That's it. Drive away the cast worshippers. Yeah. Uh all right, over to the Games Workshop side. This is where I had the most trouble writing this show because it's working out what information has come out since we last podcast. This is why I missed podcasting regularly because it's much easier to track. But the last time we got together, Shadow Spear was still about to come out. Yep. So so we've had Shadow Spear out. Yep. We've had all the Chaos releases out. Yeah, so this is, I guess, the, the big thing first. There was all this new Chaos stuff. So there was new Chaos miniatures with Shadow Spear along with new Primaris miniatures. We've gotten a new Abaddon. We've gotten um, what's the giant thing on the on Venom the, Caller? Uh, no, the the, um, the the Lord Lord uh, Discord. Lord Discord, that's right. Yeah, on top of the um, Demon Engine thing as well. Yeah. Uh, plus, you've now got these new Chaos Space Marine heroes, like the new um, Dark Acolyte. Dark Acolyte um, with his followers and new Headsman, yes. which is a new concept and model. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. And then now, this it's week, we've, we've seen Slanesh. Mainly for Age of Sigma, it looks like, so far. Well, they did do an announcement today where yep. they showed uh, some of the stuff which will be coming out for 40k, some of the, some of their rules for the new Great Demon, the mirror thing, yep. and the there's a weird psychic amplifier thing as well, which is okay. on coils. I don't know exactly what it is. Plus some weird combination of Demon Prince and Champion Demon it. Okay. Attach a herald attached together, the herald riding on the back of the demon prince. Okay. A little bit of stuff, information about that, a couple of sneak peeks of their rules. Did you have any opinions on the new Keeper of Secrets model? Um, the only thing I don't like is the fact that it appears from, from all the various models they've shown of it. Yeah. So they've shown a couple of different builds of it. The clawed arms appear to be in a set position. Okay. In a very non-dynamic set position, which is a little bit of a shame. Yeah, it, it's very much that sort of stance of standing standing up straight with arms cocked out to each side, basically. Yeah, yeah it's all striding that's... through the battlefield in, in a cocky, I can take anyone sort of way, which is fine, but I'd like a little bit of, di- would have liked a little bit of dynamic posing with the arms, but you know what? It's, 
I'm just happy that we've finally got something which isn't, you know, four inches tall, made of lead, <laughs> and ancient. Were you, did you say so you got the Keeper of Secrets model from Forge World before it went away as well? That, yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. One? I've got the Zarakanel model, which I've yeah. never put together. Um, that, that's a beautiful model as well. That, that is, that, but that's quite big too, isn't it? So Yeah, that, that's yeah. a big model. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the Forge World Slanesh and um, Scarble Frax. Oh yeah, 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 great and clean one as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got another friend who's Beautiful collecting models. who's collecting Slanesh. He basically pretty much started with um, Wrath and Rapture, um, and yeah, he, he posted on Facebook. He wasn't as keen mm-hmm. on the new Keeper of Secrets, and he's also been buying up now a lot of the old Slanesh models, like the Mask, that sort of thing, in order to try and get them before DW take them down if they've got new well, versions coming. Yeah, there out, is so. a new version of the Mask coming out definitely, which I think looks. A lot better and probably a lot easier to put together. She had very spindly arms, James yeah. Zar like. And you've seen, have you, like, they've got these persistent spell effects for Age of Sigma? Yeah. Which includes, like, the, the, the Slanesh face, for example. And the, the one thing I, I look at when I notice those, especially when I see anything that is Slanesh based, because Slanesh models are always have a lot of organic shine, not much armor, it's more skin, you know. And a lot of them have very blended paint jobs, like, you know, purple blending into white, you know, and it makes me think more and more that. You would get the best effect with an airbrush rather than trying to do it with a with a handbrush. Yeah, to... You could do it with wet blending technique. Oh, you can. It just yeah. suck. <laughs> it takes, and, it, and it takes a lot longer. Oh, it depends on you, how easy it is to yeah, surf and got, pack down. It just brush, takes but... a lot more practice to get it right. Yeah, but I mean, we we did see there was um, joke video, the uh, fifty shells of grey video that that Warhammer TV put up, and a lot of people are speculating that there will be an announcement about some sort of. Games Workshop airbrush set, yeah. basically. Yeah, I, so. I mean, the other, I've seen some other suggestions of things it could be, and all of them seem most unlikely. I was actually, I, I was in local GW recently, and um, we were talking about the sort of various tools that we use to paint that aren't GW tools, like, for example, wet palettes. And the store manager was basically saying, like, yeah, it seems like a no brainer for GW just to do a wet palette kit. You know, it's like they sell plastic. You know, it's like... <laughs> a wet palette kit isn't exactly difficult, plus you can seal the consumables of cartridge paper as well. Exactly so right, yeah. So. Not going to be difficult to sell that sort of thing. And it's a really good product. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, you, know what, I, you know what Games Workshop product I miss the most is Superglue Thin. Remember the Superglue that came with the brush applicator? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I so wish they'd bring that one back as well. So Paint on Superglue. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what else have we seen? So Adeptus Titanicus, the Grand Master Edition, has had a limited re-release. Um, so even after it went uh, unavailable previously, and, and I at the time agonised over whether or not to buy it, and at the time I decided not to because it was almost five hundred Australian dollars, and I just thought, you know, I can't justify that. And anyway, it's come around this time, and as I said, I changed jobs, and I did change jobs and got more money out of it. So I decided to to sink the money this time, and I have bought Adeptus Titanicus Grand Master Edition. Have you removed the cling wrap yet? Uh, no, I, I can't get it until Saturday. It, um, oh. it, yeah, I can pick it up on Saturday. And I, then I will not remove the cling wrap. It will stay. I was saying to Mike before, I've, my Shadow Spear has still got the cling wrap on it as well. I've actually... So, so the local GW store, to me, has started a painting competition um, for the 5th of May, which will be... It's vehicles and monsters, so anything with a 60 mil or larger base. Yeah. And... What happened was there were a couple of days I had off during the week, and I'm like, I'm just going to go down to GW, and I might just do some modeling and painting at the GW store, but I didn't take any models with me, so I thought, okay, I may as well buy something. And I was walking through the store trying to work out what I should buy, and I decided to um, pick up a Tau Ghost Kill for my son's army. So I've been working on that one. Now, I love the way that you say it's for your son's army. How many games has your son played with the army? 
Uh, he's played one 40k and one kill team. Yeah, yeah. so it's your army. Well, how, how many sessions, how many games have I played with Tao? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so doesn't played, matter. <laughs> he's played infinitely more than me. Uh, in any case, <laughs> I uh, Tao looks like to me Tao looks like a more interesting army to build and paint than to play. Yeah, basically. So I, and I have enjoyed putting together the ghost kill. The ghost kill model has a point of articulation where you can make it so that the, the torso opens up and you can see the pilot and, and controls inside. So I've actually been painting as I build and I've kept that articulation available and open to be able to be done as well. So yeah, um, yeah try and if I get that one finished by the 5th of May, that'll go into the painting contest. If not, I'll probably stick my Wraith Knight in there instead. So. Fair enough. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, we expect to see some new releases on the Inari next month in May. Well, they said Inari is coming in May. Yeah. I don't know what that will be. I mean, probably a codex. Yeah, people are talking about a new index for Inari. So yeah. Apparently, they're removing the old indexes, which came out when the game first released. Yes. They're removing those from sale, and they'll no longer be available. Okay. And I think they'll slowly phase those rules out as well. Yeah, I don't see any new models coming with Inari. Um, they, they may release the models they had in the Gathering Storm as separate boxes like they did with Gulliman and um, Caldor Drago. That sort of stuff. They, they might yeah. make that available now so you can buy the Incarn, you can buy um, the Vysark and, and uh, Evrain separately, potentially. Yeah. Uh, but I think that it will be a relatively subdued release in May. Uh, lots of rumours that the big fact is coming soon. Well, um Supposed to be out in March. Yep. So <laughs> it was released last year late, and they released it seventh, uh, eighth of April. Okay, so it's even later. Than it's this even year. later again this year. So, so there's a lot of people saying that the big fact is going to be pretty big. It's going to be a bit of a game changer in a lot of cases. A lot of speculation. There, going there's on a lot about. of speculation saying that, but Games Workshop themselves said, "Oh, it won't be big changes." I thought they, I thought Games Workshop had actually said there was going to be a, a, a big change. So. Games Workshop. Yeah, They're always I mean, changing what they say. Yeah, there's a few things you can speculate on. I think that they will um, increase the cost of obliterators because um, the new obliterators that came with Shadow Spear were the same price as the old ones. Um, some people are guessing they might take the bolter drill away from Death Watch because that many shots is too powerful when you've got a automatically hits on two automatically wounds on two plus um, ammunition, uh, special ammunition, for example. Um, yeah, there's, there's expectations of change to flyers. I think they'll just change it that they'll say oh, if you're using a special ammunition you don't get it because yeah. you've got to manually load the shell you can't really rapid fire when you're manually, manually loading loading the shells. Shells. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest I, I think that um, it does sound like people are speculating more nurse than than bonuses as such more things are going to get get pulled down than are going to be bought up but I guess we'll wait and see you know? yeah wait and see some of the big facts have been quite good for some armies in the past and I guess the last thing I want to bring up is the fact that at Adepticon, they teased Apocalypse. Yes. And, and Apocalypse seems like a good one for me because I mainly paint tanks. I have a hard time painting troops. So uh, I, I feel like I can get into Apocalypse this time around. You know? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I've watched a few Apocalypse games on YouTube recently as well. So Yeah. Well, from what they've been saying about Apocalypse, though, it looks like it's going to be a cut-down version of the 40k walls that have been ate. Yep. So... Things will get killed much quicker and easier. And it's more about the actual formations and the strategy rather than the individual guys. So I think there might be a lot of nerfed characters and things. Yeah. Characters won't really dominate the battlefield. That's it. Um, can you think of anything else I've missed in terms of Games Workshop stuff since the start of last month? There's so much going Not on. Not really. They had their um, 
the community survey, which I think is, finishes today. Yep, yeah, which you could win a, a um, Sisters Battle, Battle Army. Army. So I, I jumped onto that one. <laughs> it took a lot longer than I thought. I'm thinking, like, this is going to be like one of those five minute survey monkey type oh, things. About, no, it about was 20 minutes. Yeah, it was quite a long survey. I think what happened was I did it in the morning when I got out of bed before getting ready for work and I was late to work that day because I was finishing the survey. So, very last question of the survey is, is there anything else you want us to know? What what did you put down? Is that that sort of where you say, oh, this is the direction of the game type thing? Did you ever put anything for Bring out this to the battle. (laughs) Really, all I said was that with the Primaris, make sure you don't forget the, the gothic aspect of the Space Marines because at the moment... I'm just worried they're going to end up looking like just generic sci-fi troops like any other game. Yeah. Um, it seems like they're losing a lot of that gothic appeal. No, you know, no purity seals, not as many skulls, no relics and weird things attached to their armor. Yeah, it's, they're, just they're, a bit it's, 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 it's less 40k, more Halo, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the fact that the new Chaos Spray models are pretty much looking Primaris Marines in the eyes? They're pretty big. Yeah. Um... No, I don't mind. It doesn't bother me. Scale creep. There's always been scale creep. There always will be. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like if they wanted to do that, they should have found a way to have Chaos Primaris. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't have been difficult with Fabius Bile. Yeah. Oh, he's captured some Primaris, and now he's unlocked the secrets, and he's doing it. Yeah, they can make him bigger, too. He's, a tiny, he's one of those tiny models that hasn't been updated yeah. in a long while. He hasn't been updated <laughs> since second edition when he first came out. <laughs> it's like the older bad. Yeah. yeah, I've um, yeah I, I mean... To be honest, it feels a bit silly that they've just up increased the size. Why not just simply have given normal Marines the size increase to Primaris and said, yeah, they're still normal Marines, they've just got bigger armour, or yeah. we're just doing them true scale or whatever. Um, so no, it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah. I, I can see why some people get annoyed, but I think they're getting annoyed over nothing. Yeah. Have you seen the comic strip? There's a, a funny comic strip recently. It's basically, it, it refers to the fact that in one of the Horus Heresy books, it claims that the the Emperor lived um, discreetly among mankind for thousands of years. And it's got, like, you know, the Emperor in, like, a suit and a tie standing at... A, standing at a bus stop, yeah. <laughs> like, Halo of gold <laughs> around him. <laughs> like, you know, half everyone else's size again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very good. Uh, all right, and then we normally talk about eating on the computer gaming front, but to be honest, there's been nothing new. Sort of, I mean, I'm, the one thing I'm waiting on is info on Necromunda Underhive. Yeah, I'm waiting on Necroma- info on Necromander Underhive as well, and at the end of the month there's a new balance patch for Inquisitor Martyr. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, did you see they've, they've actually um, they've done a, a version of Inquisitor Martyr basically for one of um, Asia Sigma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's in, it's in um, closed beta right now, but if you pre-order it includes closed beta. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, I need to look it up, but... Trust me, there is a. It's clearly you know, it's a port of Inquisitor Mata over to the um, the old world, basically. Yeah. Um, but it does have. Um, you don't have the level of character customization you've got in Mata. There's not a lot of character well, customization. I mean, in I, think, I think you can pretty much choose gender as such. You know, whereas the the characters in this one, there's like there's four characters, I think, and they are all. So there's like there's like a a um, imperial soldier. There is a high elf wizard. Don't know where you got yeah. this idea that in Mark you can select gender. The okay. assassin, the assassins are all female. Everything else is male. Oh, okay. Somebody I thought it was okay. No, yeah, that, that's it. They, they've got a set character. Yeah. Um, you can change the color of their armor and their gear when you equip them. Okay. By spending money to get it done. Yeah. You know, with your tech priest to change the color. Yeah. That, that's literally it. That's okay. All no. the customization there is, unless you buy some DLC for like. 
cherubs and things to follow you around. Okay, all right. So, all right. So maybe maybe it is, <laughs> it is a more direct port than I thought, basically. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, but I mean, I haven't played Mario for ages, actually. I should get it out again. I, I think I've only really played it once since it came out of, out of early release. No, so. it's pretty good. The, at the end of the month, they're doing a large update which changes the way gear systems work, the way levelling works. Um, a lot of balancing stuff, really. Yeah. I think I was burned by the fact Speeding it up to when I played... move in a more realistic time. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't take you, you know, half a second to turn around to shoot someone behind you who's so getting shot in the back while you're trying to do it. Yeah, when I played early in the beta, I think I got burned by the fact it was poorly balanced for melee at the time. I was playing yeah. the assassin and it was just... Yeah. Yeah, melee was terrible and I think I only played it once after it came out of early access and... Playing, so right now I've been playing lots of old games again. Um, main thing is my son keeps monopolizing the Xbox, so I've got to keep picking out PC games. And no one sells PC games anymore. You've got to buy them through Steam. Through Steam and download channel, exactly. So, All right, well, that's it for the news. So let's get on to our game discussion. Knowledge is power. it well. So with all of our character builds up until now, we've only really focused on standard human characters, and so therefore there hasn't been much variance created by the species. Yep. I think we did talk about orcs at one point, but they were, they were also a zero-point cost species. So today I want to talk about the Space Marine species options, basically being Adeptus Astartes and Primaris Astartes, because they are one of the few ways in the game that you can start to actually unbalance the system a bit. Yep. It's based on how they, how they work. And I saw this as well with um, my character in your game as well, having having had a bonus to a stat, you know, it takes out the linear growth function of the character where, the, you know, everyone, everybody that has a stat at five has paid the same cost for it as such, except for characters that get a, a, a bonus somewhere here or there. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's look at the Space Marine species. First off, Adeptus Astartes have a 50-point build cost, and they are available from Tier 2. Homerus Astartes have a 100-point build cost, and they're available from Tier 4. I think the main distinction between having Astartes quite low at two is really just to compensate for the scout career because obviously a tactical space marine is a tier three character, yeah. but it does give you an option to bring in a, a regular space marine at tier two. Um, what I want to sort of start on now is, is talking about the attribute changes though. So regular primaris Astartes have um, plus one strength. Regular Astartes? Or so, sorry, sorry, regular Astartes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Have plus one strength, plus one agility, plus one toughness, plus one resolve. Keep in mind that resolve is a is a derived stat as well. Yeah. So effectively, you've got strength, agility, toughness there, which are all stats you would normally purchase. Um, and uh, Primaris Astartes have a um, uh, stat line of plus two strength, plus one agility, plus one toughness, plus one resolve, and plus four wounds as well. So effectively, you can call it plus five wounds because the plus one toughness translates from extra wound as well. Yeah. Um, now. If you've just taken the baseline, like, for example, with a Primaris Astartes needing Strength 4, Agility 4, Toughness 4, that means that you could build that character using 2 base Strength, 3 base Agility, 3 base Toughness, and your stat modifiers will bring you up to the minimum requirement for that class. It's clear in the book that when you do have a, a, a plus to a stat, it's effectively added after everything else is done. So if I want to have a Strength of 4, I pay for strength of three, and I get plus one from my species, bringing it up to four. If I, in the future, want to go and raise my strength again using experience points, I'm paying the cost to go from three to four, even though it's taking me from four to five because the plus is actually 
is after the build point cost effectively. Yeah. Um, which means that as you grow these stats beyond the baseline, the return on investment actually starts to grow because effectively you're exponentially increasing how much of a payback you get each time you raise that stat. Uh, and, you know, Yes, 50 build points for a, for, a, sorry, for a regular Space Marine and 100 for a primary Space Marine are definitely a lot. Um, but then the question becomes, how much of that will you get back simply from stat line increases? And if, if you get up into the very high levels, yeah. then you will actually start to see a, a return on investment, which is substantial. You know, And if you, for min-maxi players, especially if you're playing like a Tier 4 campaign, I can see several min-maxi players really, you know, taking a space when you're going full on strength, full on agility, full on toughness to get the most points for their um, for their stats, especially with a, a primary space ring, which is going to have a minimum toughness of four, um, plus four wounds as well, and it's rank, it's rank um, tier four minimum as well. So you're talking um, four base wounds for the tier, plus four for your toughness, plus four for the uh, race. It's 12, 12 wounds before you spend any any points on improving your toughness beyond the minimum, basically. So yeah. It's substantial. Uh, but yeah, that's one consideration. They both have the same speed. They're both speed seven between Primaris and Standard. Um, then you go to Special Abilities. Both get um, Angels of Death, which means they add half their ranks in icons to any successful attack against a mob. Um, assuming for a second that you keep your rank in line with your tier. So, you know, a tier two Marine having a rank of two, tier four Marine having a rank of four, would mean that, you know, a... a Tier 2 Adeptus and Stardust would add one additional mob kill because for every two... Actually, no. Um, yeah, for every two every two icons... He's an extra... Dude. Extra extra guard kill. So, in fact, yeah, so you wouldn't get any because, yeah, because your half rank 2 would go down to 1, which isn't enough to trigger an extra guard kill unless you had one unused icon from well, the original ranked. role. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas a uh, rank 4 Marine would add, kill one additional guy. Uh, because he would add two two icons to it, so therefore he would always kill one more person in a mob than anybody else. Yeah. Which, while well, it sounds cool, and it goes on, it says in the book about how you know this this ability is great for for, for a star taste to clear out mobs. Yeah, a maximum of plus one guy. I suppose if, if you're tier five, you would be you would round up to two two more guys. Is not huge. It sounds cool, but it's not as, as no, huge. Not as, not as huge as it is, but I think there are some traits as sorry some. Talents you can buy, which do increase that as well. Yeah, well, it does okay. all, it does all stack. Funny you say that because I'll be talking about that in a moment as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then then we go to uh, the fact they've got Space Marine implants. Both of them have this, and actually in both sections of the book it refers to the Knight and implants. It doesn't refer to like to separate it between Primaris and regular Star Days. Any case, doesn't matter because their benefit is they don't bleed, and they get a plus one bonus dice as a situational modifier whenever the GM feels that. The implant would have an impact on what they're currently doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is all right. I mean, the main thing is that um, some of the, some of the implants have things that are very mechanical in their ability, like for example, fast healing. Okay, yep, you can take that into account as the the bonus toughness. But what about things like spitting acid? You know. Um, <laughs> What about things like eating eating your enemy's brains to... To, to, to read their memories. Um, yeah. I've always felt that that sort of stuff should come down to a role-playing point of view. Yeah, you can spit acid, but really, is it going to do much? Yeah, it, it, you can it, very slowly chew through a set of bars. I mean, I mean, the acid is strong, but it's not 
Aliens strong where it's going to melt through the floor in seconds. It's going to take a long time to chew through it. If you're spitting acid into someone's face like that, yeah, it's going to sting, but unless they leave it on their face, it's probably not going to do any major damage. I mean, yeah, something about you, if someone spat acid into my face and it kind of sizzled like lemon juice, I would probably just wash it <laughs> off. I've never seen a circumstance in any of the novels where a space marine has used the acid spit as an offensive weapon in combat. Yeah, yeah, it has been right. Where like someone has been intimidating or whatever, and they've they've chosen. Yeah, yeah but it's never. Been like, it, yeah, but at the end of the day, yeah. you're still spitting it as a normal human. It hasn't given you some sort of spitting gland <laughs> like a snake. You're still spitting like a normal person, spitting <laughs> a normal amount like a normal person as well. You know, you know, unless you've been salivating all day, storing it in your mouth, it's not going to be very effective. It's not like a super soaker. <laughs> um. And I guess even even like, like with like eating eating the brain, for example, like like so different novels have taken it anywhere from like you know I, I eat a bit and I get the feeling that before he died he was feeling scared to yeah. eat a bit and the the code for this door is six eight four three five one, you yeah. know it's like it, it really varies from from very distinct memory reading to just picking up of vague ideas vague and ideas concepts. And stuff, yeah, yeah, so really in canon, you can have it anywhere in between. Yeah, it's really up to the gym as to what they want to use. Yeah, and I would suggest you go more towards the second, which is a vague feeling or idea rather than, oh, yes, the commander looks exactly like this. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah we, we spoke on the show in the past about the difficulties when you want to start bringing in things like like time, or, you know, not time travel, but like future reading and some stuff, or, yeah. you know, that you can quickly pull apart plots with the player's ability to go around what their character can yeah. immediately perceive and perceive things outside yeah, of their for, for 50 experience points, I can eat a bit of anyone and know the answer to the plot that you've spent six hours writing. I mean... <laughs> Not cool, exactly. Uh, and then the last special bit that I get, which is where it gets interesting, is on the chapter, um, where every chapter in the book has a benefit and then either or a tradition or a gene seed. So, and these are usually, like, with the traditions, they're things about how the social style of that particular um, chapter might lead to certain restrictions on how they act or how they work, basically. Uh, and now it says here that Primaris Marines, if the penalty is a gene seed-based penalty, they don't actually suffer from that. And, and of the, the chapters in the main book, the only one which actually has a gene seed penalty is Blood Angels yeah. in terms of the Red Thirst. So even, like, the um, the Space Wolves sort of, you know, Wolfen style is really just, it's a tradition, not a gene seed penalty as such. Their, their social sort of aggression towards anyone but their own their own kind is, is only represented as a, a tradition as such. So, uh, But, yeah, it, I guess it's always been one of the controversies about Primaris Marines that they've, they've done away with the flaws. the flaws in the gene seed, you know. So. I don't know. I don't think they have, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just waiting to, to burst out. You want to see a few... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Death Legion uh, Primaris Marines, do you mind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Death Company. Death Company, sorry, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it might take longer to take effect, but it will take effect. Yeah. yeah. So, overall, um, when you compare Primaris and Adeptus Astartes, the real difference between the two is the plus one strength and plus four wounds. Yeah. For 50 extra build points. Um, is, is really quite substantial. So then it really comes down to you're paying the extra cost to be Primaris in order to um, unlock access to the Primaris careers or Primaris archetypes, which right now is really just Primaris intercessor. Yeah. Um, so 
it's, it's, it's a relatively high cost, yes. The extra strength will pay dividends if you get a very, very high strength character. But if that's not what you're going for... Yeah, you know, I mean, it comes down to the fact that even if Orc had a cost, yeah. a 100-point cost, if you wanted to play an Orc and you had to play 100 points... You'd pay that. You'd it. pay it because you want to play an Orc. Yeah, it's, it. it's the same thing. It doesn't necessarily have to have mechanical benefits for some people to say, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, it'll weed out some of your min-maxes because I go, oh, 100 XP out of my build cost. Yeah. I can get 50 and get most of the abilities already. Why would I need to... Yeah, that's it. I mean, I suppose... And we'll talk about this when we talk about the primary synthesis, but if you're building a primary synthesis, you're, you're paying 100 points just for your, your species. You're paying 60 points for your um, archetype, for your career. So that means in a, in a Tier 4 game, you've got 260 points left yeah. to buy... 240 points, sorry. Um, plus, what, what are you going to do when everyone else gets in a rhino? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to stand around I'll outside. Just, I'll just wait here for the repulsor, thanks very much. You know, yeah. He'll be along shortly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Or a land raider. Oh, I can't get in that. <laughs> can't even lie down? I mean, what? <laughs> All right, then. So, okay, let's not stick on this one. Let's, let's move on to talk about the intercessor directly. In yeah. The career section. All supplicants report to the administrator for career assignment. All right, let's talk about the primary synthesis now then. And first off, it's worth pointing out that I don't know in terms of the fluff what distinguishes a intercessor from a reaver, from an interceptor, from a hellblaster, other than the allocation of gear. Allocation of gear. Yeah. Maybe some sort of specialized training. I yeah. think they all get trained in the same things, and then they just get assigned to a position. Yeah, I mean, think about the fact that... Um, with regular space marines, you know, normally you start as a scout. You go from scout to devastator, devastator to assault, assault to tactical. So a tactical marine has effectively received all the various doctrines of training as such. Uh, and, of course, uh, you have a tactical space marine as a career in Wrath and Glory. Uh, could you then also assume that an intercessor has also been trained as an inceptor, as a hellblaster, as a reaver, um, as any of the ones from Shadow Spear, for example, as well? You know, I, I don't know. Um, so it's interesting that they did choose to call you know, Primaris Intercessor in that, yes, what defines an Intercessor is it has the Intercessor's gear. It doesn't have you know, any of the, the whiz-bang equipment. That the others I, I think it's more of a concept of the way the Legions used to operate. So, yeah. you know, you know, Rowboats come back, and he said, oh, we're going to rewrite the Codex, and we're going to bring in these Primaris, and we're going to get things changed up. And I think he's gone back more to the Legion structure, which is you specialise. Yeah. You know, specialized troops because they have more of them and enough of them to actually get the job done. They don't need every soldier to be trained in doing everything. And I think that's more of the direction they're going. So, you know, the, the Hell Blasters are like they might learn basic frontline troop stuff and then go and become Hell Blasters or then go and become Reavers or then go and become whatever. Well, I mean, so thinking back to the Horus Heresy for a second here, a lot of the legions in the Horus Heresy had. Specialized troops. So, if we look at, say, for example, salamanders. Salamanders, yes, they had devastators, they had assault marines, they had tactical marines, but they also had pyroclasts. Yeah. You know, and you know, different different legions had other things as well. I don't think the ultramarines didn't really have any sort of specialized. Yeah, they had their suzerain uh, boarding troops. Oh, okay. No, that's right. With the with the shields with the shotguns built in, basically, is that the one? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so everyone had some sort of specialist troop. Yeah. Um. And, and some people even copied other people's specialist troops. So, for example, the Alpha Legion had the Headhunters, yeah. which then became 
everyone else went, wow, you know, what a group of dedicated guys who just snipe the opposition. <laughs> it seems like a really good idea. So they took a, you know, a bastardized version of them and everyone had them. I can't remember what they're called. Um, and then as we, when we talk about Shadow Spear, we'll, we'll talk about the new version of the same sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, I, what I'm coming to really is that you could play this career in the game and provided your GM was happy to make up rules for, I don't know, Gravis Patton Armour, you know, and the the giant, what they call the heavy bolter and heavy plasma guns and such, you know, that you could then go and play in, in, in Scepter or if you wanted to make up, well, it's already got heavy heavy um, bolt, pistol. bolt pistols and, and combat knives, so you could play a Reaver quite easily just if you wanted to make up the special rules for the Reaver Armour. Um, and the, the grab shoots. I mean, I think grab shoots are already in the grab, game. Already. Grab shoots are already in the game and grapnel yeah. launchers. I'm pretty sure they've yeah. got something close in the game. Yeah, so it's quite easy to change up anyway. Um, so what is the role of the primary intercessor? This is a controversial topic in itself because at the end of the day, its role is everything a space marine does, only better. <laughs> it's like... Kind of. Yeah, I mean... They can't drive a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> or an animator. But I mean, Repulsor's got so many more weapons and such, and it's dedicated transport. It's oh, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the firepower of a... Of a well, Land Raider is a dedicated transport, isn't it, anyway? Yeah. So, yeah. He's got all the firepower <laughs> of a Land Raider. And, you know, he's a dedicated transport, just like a rhino, but he's also got all the cost of a Land Raider. Yeah, but it's got the fly keyword, though, so you can withdraw from combat and still shoot. So? <laughs> you know what? I, I just want a metal box that I can sling my guys down the field in cheap. All right, so let's talk about the design mechanic behind a, a war game. In the, in, yeah, and I've, I had to explain this to my, from, to my son, who always asks me when he's choosing troops in 40k, which is better, I'll take whatever's better, is to say that in a balanced mechanic in a war game is that if something is better, it, it costs, costs more points, you yeah. know, which is not how real warfare works. Absolutely. You know, if I have five guys who are, you know, ill-equipped and five guys who are well-equipped, there is very rarely going to be a tactical benefit of applying the of, of deploying the five guys who are ill-equipped over the five guys who are well-equipped Provided I don't need them somewhere else at the same time, basically, you know, like I would, I would always deploy my best forces to solve the problem, um, you know, resource dependent, basically. So this is the whole thing between having when you've got Primaris Marines and you've got non-Primaris Marines, it seems odd when you would then choose to deploy the regular Marines, unless all the Primaris Marines are currently involved in something else. Well, I think that's what the points cost represents, is the allocation of resources. You know? Exactly. Yeah. If, you know, why would I ever send guardsmen to do a job when I can send, you know, 500 Terminators? Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it just extrapolates the same way. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you've got with regular Marines over intercessors or over, over pretty much all Primaris in... The uh, in the war game is tactical flexibility. Yeah, because I can put out a, I can put out a um, tactical squad with a heavy weapon and a special weapon and a combat weapon on my on my sergeant. You know, whereas my intercessors have all the same weapon. You know, I, I can maybe give my, you my, can give my one sergeant a sword, and you, know? you can give one guy a grenade launcher, oh, sure, which just lets him use his grenades at a longer range. Exactly right. Yeah, so you don't quite have the same tactical flexibility. Um, I mean, but that's being said, they are. Really, the, the plan that Gulliman has is to slowly replace Marines. Marines, that's it. You yeah. know, that, that as there, there, there probably won't be any new regular space Marines created in the fluff. We know that they're not going to be created in the in the product. They're not making any new space Marine models, and they probably won't make any new space Marines in the fluff. They will make Primaris where they are where they are forming new Marines. Yeah, and 
it comes also down to the fact that he said, oh, they're not as tactically flexible as, as a tactical squad. Yeah. At the moment, you could say, yeah, well, we're going to send a single tactical squad in, but you'd never actually send a single intercessor squad in. They'd be combined arms. They'd have yeah. something in fire support, something in close support. Not that they have any real close support troops, but yeah. 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 Reavers. Reavers are crap. <laughs> <laughs> but they frighten people, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and I suppose I think, and I'll, I'll touch on this again later as well, but one thing about Primaris um, Marines is I think they have a closer connection to Gulliman, you know, the Primarch as a leader, than other Marines might have to the Emperor as, you know, the sort of de facto ruler of mankind as such. Because as long as Primaris Marines have existed, Gulliman has been there, you know, awake and leading their army as such. That they, They've always had their, their figurehead living and before them as such, especially those that served during the Indominus Crusade. Yeah, uh, and that that's a key thing, and you got to remember that that also plays into the concepts behind the Horus Heresy, where so many of the worlds that that swore straight to Horus were war- worlds that had never met the Emperor before. They'd been told the Emperor existed, but it had been Horus and his Space Marines that had liberated their world from you know from the, the terrors of old night. Yeah, and so you know when it came to swearing allegiance to a, an invisible figure on a throne far, far away. Or the guy that was standing here right now, who saved your people only, you know, fifty years before, it was a pretty easy choice for all of those worlds. So, yeah, which may come into later on. Fluff, I don't know. With, with uh, eventually, there'll be a civil war. Yeah. <laughs> nature, the nature of forty. It's the nature of 40K. and mankind in general, probably. Yeah, yeah. And all these great technological leaps they've had with the primaries will all be lost. Yeah, and they'll be back to you know scavenging in the dirt. Old night too. That's it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so building on progress in SSR, you've got so 60 build points I mentioned before, tier 4. Um, their minimum attributes are strength 4, agility 4, toughness 4. Skills, they have a minimum 4 in both ballistic skill and weapon skill. Um, keywords, they get Imperium, Adeptus Astartes, Primaris, and of course their chapter. Plus one influence, which is, I guess, low for a, a tier 4 character in some circumstances. But I mean, they're not really, that's not their style. Not really. Um they the issued gear rather than request gear. Yeah, that's it. Their trait is intercessor focus, which means they get to add their rank onto any attack rolls with a bolt rifle or heavy bolt pistol. So I guess, once again, if you were making up Inceptors, you would probably just change what that weapons that applies to, for example. Same um, with, with Hellblasters. Yeah, but I mean, given the, so they're going to have, for example, a agility of four minimum, a ballistic skill of four minimum, once again, if their rank is four, they're rolling 12 dice before they spend any experience points above and beyond what they need to just to be that class to make an attack roll with a with a bolt rifle, basically. Yeah. Um, and their war gear is they, they get the Mark 10 Tacticus Power Armor, they get a bolt rifle, heavy bolt pistol, and the Stardust Combat Knife, um, and three frag and three crack grenades. So, straightforward. Not bad. So when it comes to actually building one, I mean, characteristic-wise, it's, I mean, strength and deadly toughness is, is pretty obvious, given that um, they're, they're going to be required stats. Initiative, if you want to actually be a, a, a more melee-focused intercessor with your with your Astartes combat knife. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, although I suppose that it would be, you, know, you can, in the war game, give the sergeant, you know, a power sword, for example, so it wouldn't be that bad because it's a power sword or you can get it with your plus one influence. Um... I guess willpower. Probably, I'd, I'd say willpower was yeah. probably a good idea because I find it a bit odd that 
none of the Space Marines' special abilities have anything to do with they shall know no fear. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you know, the Angel of Death ability is nice, but I would have rather have seen a they shall know no fear roll. Yeah, exactly. Either a resolve bonus or a, or you know, re-roll fear test or something along those lines, potentially. Yeah. Um, you're right. And then that as well, if you were wanting to build a Primaris Librarian, you would just take a um, Primaris Marine at Tier 4 and move the game to Tier 5 and take the the um, Ascension path, which allows you to add Psychic to it as well. Yeah. Um, Skills-wise, um, quite a few skills, actually, I looked at. Um, athletics, I think, because Marines are, you know, skilled at running, jumping, climbing, etc., Ballistic skills, an obvious one. Um, leadership, I think most Marines, especially in the intercessors, we would say probably have a decent command ability. Um, pilot, yeah, Marines can pretty, they're all pretty much trained to pilot whatever vehicles, even though they can't drive a Rhino or a Land Raider, as you point out. Yeah. Um, but you or know, even getting it. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. They, they can look at them. Yeah. They can't, they can't ride Marine bikes. Um, <laughs> what else? But, uh, uh, I think pilot would be a skill you might take. Scholar is an interesting choice. I only put I only put Scholar down because of the Primaris perspective talent, which I'll come back to, but there's a reason why you might look at Scholar. Um, stealth, I think Marines, despite their size, are still trained in stealth. Survival as well. Tech, potentially. You know, you don't need to be a tech Marine to have the tech skill. Marines are trained to administer their weapons as well, to their war gear. Yep. Uh, and, of course, weapon skill, finally. Um, Talents-wise, uh, Augmentic. Of one I consider because you know Marines are regularly subject to loss of limb, so and life. living a violent life. Well, it is hard to already to fix a you know, missing life. That's what dreadnoughts are for. <laughs> well, this is I, a very extreme augmentic. Yeah, so, so, so that reconstruction wouldn't really cut it. I don't think for a dreadnought stats. Basically, <laughs> you know, they, they, they already don't bleed. Yeah. Um, okay, I looked at dedicant. Okay, so dedicant it allows you to take any. Half plus half rank ability and increase it to plus one rank. Okay. So if you applied that to their Angel of Death trait, that would mean that now, say, a Primaris Marine is getting plus four dice or plus four icons instead of plus two icons. Yeah. So they're killing two extra dudes. Well, they're killing one more guy than they would get without this talent, yeah. basically. Now, this talent costs 30 XP. For that same 30 XP, you could probably buy two agility increases. And average out to having, you know, the extra. <laughs> it isn't about that, James. Well, yeah. So I would say that for the purposes of improving Angel of Death, it's probably a waste of points. But there are other plus half rank abilities that they can get that you might consider. It, so it depends if you're specialising and how you're specialising. Yeah. Yeah. For, for for shooting, absolutely, you're probably better off doing agility. Yeah. Okay. What's the this? Okay. So heroic charge um, lets you add half your rank to melee attacks when you make a charge. That one could be increased. Yeah. Um, Primaris perspective allows you to add half your rank to all resolve and corruption tests. That's a good way to show sh um, no no fear, especially if you double that to be plus rank to resolve and corruption tests. Yeah. And that one also lets you add your rank to all scholar tests when re when resolving or re with regard to historical events. So obviously they're hit or indoctrinated into the history of the Imperium, basically. Um, Steel and Doom lets you add half your rank in damage to any Space Marine weapons. Yeah, that's so, a very good one. Yeah, and once again, doubling that is a is a is a big benefit going from two to four. And there's, there's a lot of weapons which have the Space Marine keyword as well, things exactly. like force swords and things too. So yeah, you uh, can get then, a bit ridiculous. Yeah, and then finally, True Grit. So True Grit, which is forty points, lets you ignore 
the lightly wounded penalty, reduce the heavy wounded penalty to only plus one difficulty, and adds half your rank in wounds. So it's, I don't know if you can really call that an ability to be improved by Dedicant, you know, but if you did, that would allow you to effectively add two more wounds for the purposes of, of 30. Yeah, I, I, I think we're in three. agreement, though, that the Dedicant ability has to be linked to each one of these. You can't just buy Dedicant once and have it affect all of oh, these 100%. abilities yeah, if you right, had yeah. all of them. Exactly right. yeah. um, so, yeah, just idea for GMs. It may not say that specifically in the in the rule, but I would certainly say that, you know, Dedicant, you actually have to choose what you're dedicated to. You can't be generalised dedicated. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I look at Dedicant regularly for different builds we're looking at, and often... It's not that great because not a lot of things have plus half rank. Or if they do, they're like tier one or tier two characters where, assuming, once again, if you're keeping your rank in line with tier, it's going to mean you're doing between one and, or especially if it's like half half of one is one or full one is one, you know. Yeah. It's something you buy later on. Yeah, 30 points not great for a tier two or rank two character, basically, but for a tier four, rank four or rank five character, like a Primaris Marine, as long as you associate it with a good ability, yeah, it's actually quite worthwhile. All right, so just, I guess, finally some some comments on uh, playing a Primaris in the Cessor. Um, keep in mind that Primaris Marines have a relatively fresh view of the universe. I mean, yep, they have the Indominus Crusade is now over 100 years old, but still they just don't have the depth of experience that other Marines may have. I mean, other, some other Marines have been around for thousands of years, if not well, hundreds of years at least, if not thousands of years. And primary synthesis are never going to have that, that length and breadth of knowledge as such. Um, also keep in mind that a lot of primary synthesis, depending on their um, chapter, can be often distrusted by their peers. So especially things like um, Dark Angels. You know, the Dark Angels you know, are very unsure of where the loyalties of their primary members sit, basically, you know, with regards to the secrecy of the, uh, the Dark Angels. So just keep in mind that yeah, you are effectively here to replace more conventional Marines and more conventional Marines may not particularly like that and that may sort of have an impact on that social angle. And I guess just keep in mind the fact that um, Primaris Marines are probably more likely to have their loyalty split between the Emperor and the Primarch and, and potentially even call, you know, and, and by extension the Adeptus Mechanicus because that's really how they exist. Yeah. Um, and they've only had 150-odd years to, to, come, to bring those things to terms. So, yeah, so I guess it's a, a potentially a role-playing opportunity to, to mix how to the, what happens when you feel that, you know, the Primarch is doing something that the Emperor wouldn't necessarily agree with, you know, or the or the Adeptus Mechanicus under Call has done something that the Primarch doesn't agree with or whatever the case may be. How do you feel about the fact that the Primarch worked with the Eldar, you know, and the Inari in the lead-up to the, his arrival on Terra? You know, like, these are all things to consider. All right, I think we've covered up Primaris Marines. I think so. So let's talk about Primaris Marines in our review section. My lord, the information you requested is now available for your review. So for today's review, um, I want to talk about Shadow Spear. So Shadow Spear is obviously not a role-playing product, it's a war game product. Yeah. But it does add a bit of new depth to, I guess, the setting of, of 8th edition. So Shadow Spear primarily is one of their standard two forces and, you know, cut down versions of the rule book. You know, everything you need to, for two people to play the game Straight out, Straight of, out of the box, basically, yeah. And in this case, it is a Space Marines versus Chaos Force. Yep. Um, the thing that made uh, Shadow Spear quite interesting is the fact that basically every single model in Shadow Spear is a new sculpt. 
So, yeah, new forces and for space marines. in some cases, completely new models and rules. Exactly right, yeah. In, in fact, pretty much every single one of the, the, primary, the um, space marine forces is a new, is a new thing. And that's yeah. what I wanted to talk about as well, because it does play into this whole Primaris discussion, because it's now more options for Primaris. I guess, so let's come back. Let's, let's start off by talking about the Chaos stuff. So, first off, Mike, how did you find the Chaos stuff in Shadowsphere? Um, most of it I found very good. Yeah. Yeah, the new marines, great. All looks great. Um, I think the new obliterators look fantastic. New obliterators look fantastic. I'm still a little undecided on on their um, plate mail bikini bottoms. <laughs> They've got these bare thighs. And these, they, they look like they're wearing little Daisy Dukes and a pair of cowboy boots. You, you need to watch one of the the um, channels I watch, Tabletop Tactics. They always refer to um, the new dreadnoughts as nappy dreadnoughts because their the armor plating and their groin looks like it's like a nappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the Chaos Marines themselves look great. The um, Venom Crawler I really quite like. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit oddly shaped, that bulbous back bit. I think it could have been a bit more squat and it would have looked nicer. Yeah. Um, the new Possessed, the Great Possessed, fantastic. Shame they didn't update the old normal Possessed yeah, yeah. at the same time. Would have been perfect. Um, my, my only complaint with the obliterators is that there's only two sculpts and they're, they're not like it's like posable they're, they're a monopoles basically and like a lot of people want to have more than two obliterators so even though yeah. there's rumours that they are going to release you know those same kits from Shadow Spear in separate boxes later on they would need to have more variation of I mean that being said obliterators only had a couple of variations of the old resin kits up until now absolutely but yeah it'd be nice to have some more look that way but yeah the Venom Caller certainly is a is a nice model too so um, and then onto the, I guess, onto the Primaris side as well. Then, so you've actually got effectively a whole new, I guess, keyword force because they've all got this Phobos keyword. Yeah, and I think I've heard also they've actually attributed Phobos to a couple of other existing units as well. Just so yeah, yeah, Reavers it. have uh, the Phobos keyword as well now for sure. Yeah, um, and I think a couple of others as well because Phobos refers to a way of. Doing their armor, so Mark Ten armor yep. is essentially an undersuit, and then you place armor plates onto it, dependent on your specialization. Um, in the case of Phobos, they're equipped with some sort of baffling plates or something to help them with their stealth and infiltration sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. and um, yeah. So these guys get the, get the Phobos keyword um, again. Nice collection of models. The only yep. one I'm not too keen on is Librarian touching his head. Okay, you do. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. That. that positioning um otherwise i think it's a great set yeah i mean i think that i, I quite like in the box art the painting of the photo sign where it's got that sort of urban camo yeah look to the cloak so i thought that looked pretty cool anyway you know so i mean i like that when they did it with with scouts as well so effectively what you've got with these new primaris forces is a replacement for the old scouts basically yeah. with, with the infiltrator squads really um i, I, I think it's the, fair um, sorry, to the, say that no, this is the Presser squads. Oh no, eliminate eliminate squads. Sorry, they're, they're, they're sorry, they're the um they're the, the snipers. snipers yeah. But the um the standard infiltrating troops, um, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean they all, they all get the concealed positions rule. Yeah, yeah so the um, infiltrators are your standard infantry squad. Um, they've all got the concealed ability rule. They yeah. can come with a essentially unit medic. Yep, yeah, and they also get the the omni scrambler. So. Even though they they can be stuck, you know, nine inches from enemies, but enemies can't be stuck more than twelve inches from them. Yeah, for deep striking. For deep striking, under yeah. no circumstances, which is excellent. I think they're a great shielding unit, protect your flanks against deep striking troops. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're good-looking models. Yeah, I think they exist now. I'm pretty sure there'll be a multi-part kit come out. Yeah, that's it. So far, what we've got with um, with Shadow Spirit is all really monopose models. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see some more options for these things. Okay, the suppressors did cause a bit of controversy. Yeah, they, they look a bit naff, but <laughs> I, I don't think they look as bad as everyone's claiming, and they're easy fixes for these. Yeah, just put, put, them, put them on the ground, basically, for the most yeah, part, yeah. grab a set of something else's legs and stand them on the ground, or you can simply shorten the length of the barrel of the rifle and suddenly they don't look quite so the, goofy. The accelerated autocannon, I think you mean. <laughs> Which, to be honest, isn't actually a bad weapon. Um, yeah, heavy two, strength seven. Um, I, I maintain that it's that it's misdirected. Yep. Also, you know, Overwatch from infantry units isn't what stops people from charging. It's Overwatch from vehicles that stops people charging. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, oh man, hey, so Tau infantry. Yeah. <laughs> Tau infantry, but it only affects the unit that gets hit. So yeah. you'd have if you had a unit of three of them, one guy shot a different Tau unit each. That's three units potentially, which couldn't Overwatch. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but against a normal army, I f- you know, I-, I feel it's a bit limited. Yeah, I suppose you could do it in like, I think of what, what units existed are multiple vehicles. Like, for example, a bike squad, maybe. Then again, I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about a bike squad. Personally, I would have been happy if they'd said, oh, they fire Tempest rounds, which exist, remember. Yeah. Um, you know, if a vehicle takes a wound from this weapon, it can't overwatch. Yeah. Or. Actually, you know what would be good against it? It would be marine versus marine fights if you were taking on things like um, aggressors or centurions that have hurricane bolters. Yeah. If you can kill one model and then stop the hurricane bolters from shooting on Overwatch, that's probably going to... Are they going to kill one model? Yeah. I mean, probably with an aggressor, it's easier than it is with a centurion. But... Aggressor, absolutely, is easier than it is with yeah. a centurion. So. I mean, they're lucky that their weapon is a two-damage weapon. Yeah. So it is better for taking out that sort of stuff, you know. But oh. I mean, even even three guys get six attacks with the autocannons... Well, it's got 48-inch range, though, so they can sit up somewhere and just deliver that sort of that, that debuff from wherever they are on the battlefield almost. For a fast attack choice, they're a good selection. Yeah. They're a good option for a fast attack choice because, let's be honest, Primaris as a whole, they've got one fast attack option. The, um, yeah, because Reavers are elite. Um, Reavers are oh, elite. So just, yeah, in, Inceptors, that's Inceptors it. and that's yeah. it. So really... You know, it gives you a second choice for your fast attack slot if you're going for a pure Primaris army. I think that's good. I have seen some nice pure Primaris armies before as well. So, yeah, yeah these, um, once again, one of these YouTube channels I watched, um, Tabletop Tactics, they have invented their own chapter called the Obsidian Dragons that is a full Primaris. And that nice paint scheme and, and yeah. they lose a lot. <laughs> still, I'm sure they do. not great, but... Uh, I think that these box sets going forward with the Primaris and whenever we see new releases of Primaris stuff, it's going to be to replace things that the old Marines used to do. So we've now replaced your scouts and infiltration-type troops. Yeah. We've now replaced your standard battle line troops. So what we've got left are your elites, so terminators and veterans. Yeah. And Fast attack. your assault stuff, so yeah. bikes. Well, that's it. there's plenty of rumours about, about Primaris Marines on bikes yeah. coming in the future. Um, I'd say you'd have to have Primaris Marines on bikes. Primaris Marines use some sort of jump pack close combat weapon that actually has a save modifier and then decent amount of damage to it. Yeah. You know, and probably some sort of Terminator or, or Elites to replace the Stern Guards and the Vanguard Veterans. So, so one of the rumours that's been flying around recently is that there is an upcoming box set that is called The Lion. Yeah. Um, that will be something to do with Dark Angels or something else. I, I very much doubt they would do like a, you know, a Tony box set and include... 
you know, Lionel Johnson in it. No, I can't imagine they would. <laughs> um, but I can see them doing a Dark Angels box set. I mean, the last Dark Angels box set would have been um, the fifth edition or sixth edition starter set, you know, that was Dark uh, Angels versus... Vengeance. Dark Vengeance. Dark Vengeance, yeah. yeah. that's right. There was um, Dark Angels versus Chaos. Um, but yeah, if they are going to do a, you can see how like with with Ravenwing, for example, it might be an interesting way to bring in new primaris bikes is by doing you know, yeah I bikes and jet jet bikes. I'm sure we'll get some sort of jet bike. Yeah, the, the amount of grav stuff they've got given the primaris, yeah. I think jet bikes are a go. Primaris land speeder maybe as well, something along those lines. Primaris land speed would be a good choice. Yeah. Um, some sort of primaris terminator, I think, is what they're really missing. Something really elite. Heavy armored, heavy infantry. Yeah, they, they need a two plus save base model. I mean, yeah. I think it's the Gravisama. The Gravisama. I think Gravisama is still three plus. Captain in Gravisama or or Inceptors. And the Gravisama looks hideous. I, if they brought out a squad of Terminator replacements, which were all in Gravisama, yeah. nah. So I'll tell you, Mike, that um, so so I really got back into playing forty k the war game with Eighth Edition. So it started with buying Dark Imperium. Yeah. Which of course comes with the Captain Gravis armor. So a lot of what I've painted recently has started with starting with that box set, and uh, so you know I've, I got my box set. I went and bought a brand new can of um, McCrag Blue, yeah. and I, I bought it home and I sprayed out these, and I've I've sprayed the detail out of my Captain Gravis armor pretty much. I obviously laid that that first coat on a bit too thick, yeah, and um, yeah, he's, he's looking a bit like <laughs> a bit like a marshmallow man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to be honest, that's not much of a loss. It's a hideous model. Yeah, and it's, I'll tell you what, I always struggle to... like. I've used that model so many times on the war game to get the re-roll ones to hit Aura, but his weapons have never really facilitated me using... Because he's only got a pistol range weapon as well. Yeah, so he weapon. doesn't really fit with standing at the back of the line. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You're better off with a normal captain with a mastercrafted bolt gun yeah. and power sword in his sheath or relics, relic blade maybe. Yeah. Just sitting at the back with the rest of the troops. Yeah. And a normal lieutenant standing action because Trimeris lieutenants have such terrible weapon options as well. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the amount of times I've I've had a, you know, a a space marine army with, you know, a captain and a lieutenant and an ancient and and a medic at the back and literally those four models... They just sit there giving their their, debu- their their buff aura off and never actually engaging, oh, except for the the um, the medic to to bring guys up again, pretty much. You know, yeah. So. Otherwise, they just stand there giving buffs. Yeah, so they, they they're a force multiplier for my for my hell glasses, pretty much. Yeah, so well, any other trips, yeah. And marine list I've got exactly the same. Exactly. Oh, that's what I'm you're, you're doing marines too now, aren't you? You're yeah. doing your um. Yeah, I've started my minotaurs. minotaurs. Yeah, that's it. And you're you're going primarily primaris, aren't you? Um. Mostly, as I said, because there's no veteran options. So oh, I've got a couple of Stern units guard, of right. Stern Guard. Yeah. There's no primary version of Stern Guard, so no. they're going to have to be, you know, mini Marines. Yeah. And the Terminators, because you need Terminators in a mentor list, they're going to have to be mini Marines as well. Yeah. I'll just show you my um, my Stern Guard work list. So yeah. um, back when we started playing 8th edition. So, Mike, you and I didn't have a game 8th edition for probably about two or three months after it first came out. And I played several games with other people before yeah. I played with you. Yeah. And my experience with playing 40K was always that Mike always kicked my ass, you know. And then when I was getting ready for my first 8th edition game with Mike, you know, I sort of took the most 
broken combination of options that I could, you know, because I wanted to give myself whatever edge I had, and it was an absolute walkover. Yeah, because I took my cool berserker list, <laughs> my fluffy berserker yeah, list where, with no ranged weapons at all, well, really. Yeah, whereas I had, I had a Gorman gun line with Razorbacks and Hellblasters. And <laughs> I think three berserkers got into combat with one unit, wiped out that unit, and then got gunned down before they got to go anywhere else. That's it, yeah, and I think part of that was I was putting a stern guard unit list, and I sort of sat down and worked out an Excel, like, which, weapon, which weapons to take to get the most bang for your points, that sort of stuff, you know. And oh, <laughs> I didn't do that anymore. I'm not, I'm not that guy, Mike. I'm not that guy anymore. You're not that guy anymore. You, know, you, yeah. you had me that... It's like, it's like that Battletech game I'm playing right now. You had me that panicked, I had to... I had to do that, you know, thinking I'm going to get my ass kicked again. But I know. I, sorry, I will say the one other time I beat you in 40k prior to Eighth Edition was when we played my Grey Knights versus your your demons and yeah. your 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 Keeper of Secrets scattered off the board when you deployed and you lost the Keeper of Secrets from the you know before the game even started. <laughs> exactly really, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right because you, in that in that edition it had to be that half your army had to start on the field and the other half had to deep strike in. You had no choice. Yeah, whatever it was. It's it, yeah. yeah. I just remember the Keeper of Secrets couldn't deploy and ended up ended up destroyed by being unable to deploy. <laughs> and that was like a lot of points for you. What? Anyway, so coming back to the point, I was like, Shadow Shadow Spear is, I think, a very good box set. Yeah, it's probably one of the best ones recently. It's hard to compare its value with what you get it because a lot of the items that are in it you just you don't get anywhere else at the moment. Um, but certainly, I'm trying because so so recently, I bought Wake the Dead. Recently, Wake the Dead was the one that was Marines versus Eldar, which was also good. <laughs> and then Tooth and Claw was Space Wolves versus Jinx to the Cult. Jinx to the Cult that was also pretty good too. I mean, and I, then you had. Uh, the one before that was Forge Bane. Yeah, Forge Bane, which is um, Necrons versus um, so Adeptus Mechanicus. Yeah, that that one really was good for the new for the new mini the mini knights as such, you know. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the uh, day, we, with all of these box sets, ninety percent of them are going to fe- feature Space Marines because that's what the vast majority of people play. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's good for me because I mean, I've, I've I didn't build any Space Wolves. I, I sorry, I built one Space Wolf using because I, I I took the Space Wolf character that came with Tooth and Claw and I converted it into a Space Wolf um, sergeant uh, like a, a primary sergeant for my um, Death Watch yeah yeah. But otherwise yeah, they were just built as ultramarines for their small ultramarine army but uh, you know certainly um, it's a good Shadow Sword is a good way to get started you know because it's got two interesting armies it's got a lot of new models you know a lot of really dynamic stuff as well nice, nice looking stuff full rules I, I would certainly, you know, a lot of the old ones you can't buy anymore. But if, if I if I only had enough money to buy one box set between Wake the Dead, Tooth and Claw, Forge Bane, and um, Shadow Spear, and they were all available for me, it would be between Shadow Spear and Wake the Dead with the ones I'd be choosing between. Yeah, depending whether you're interested in Eldor or Chaos, exactly or you've right. got a friend nearby who's interested in Eldor or Chaos, and we want to split the box. Yeah, that's it. Whatever the case may be. Yeah. All right, then let's get going. Yep. Ignorance is a blessing. The data you requested is unavailable. Getting on to today's final topic, I wanted to talk about um, Space Marine campaigns in Wrath and Glory. Um, because, you know, we've seen in the past how you can do a Space Marine role-playing campaign with Death Watch. Yep. And to be honest, there's no reason you couldn't, you know, do a Death Watch campaign in Wrath and Glory. But you're not constrained to that. You know, it's not just Death Watch Marines. You have got regular Marines. And so I do see it as... Some extra considerations when it comes to planning a game when you get together for your session zero and everybody says we want to play space marines um but there are a couple of things that you need to you need to consider um 
first and foremost is going to be, are you all the same chapter or does everyone want to play different chapters? Yeah. And I think you're going to find that nine times out of ten, the latter is going to be what people want to play. You know, I want to play an ultra He wants to play a space or he wants to play an imperial fist. To, the case to be honest, that. I think it's going to come more down to a case of you're going to get together and either everyone's going to say we want to play something different or everyone's going to say we want to play this and then one person's going to say, but I don't like that chapter. <laughs> That wouldn't be you, Mike, would it? Yeah, no, yeah. No. Let's all play Space Wolves. <laughs> I wouldn't be infused by all Space Wolves, but I could still do it. Yeah, you, you, you'd make it comical, though. You'd, you'd play a bad Space Wolf. <laughs> Wolfie McWolf Wolf. <laughs> Razor Wolf Claw Wolf. Uh, anyway, um, and I had this... I, when I was describing, actually, last weekend when I ran this LFR game, I described the exact same problem to um, the players there. I said, okay, LFR is a classic example of a game where You've got all these distinct clans in the game and anyone that wants to play the game will go, I, I like this one, I like this one. But in the context of the setting, there are very few circumstances which would see five people from different groups all adventuring together. It's just not the style of that game as such. And once again, you know, five individual space marines don't all meet in a bar and say, hey, let's go on an adventure together. Yeah, with five R, you can just say that everyone's wrong. Give them all a different reason. Yeah, I said, okay, well, I mean, can you apply the same reasoning to, to 40K? Can you literally well, say... Well, it's a little bit more difficult because if they're Ronin, essentially that means they're, they're traitors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so what you can do, I mean, so Deathwatch is one option. Um, you've got um, Company of the Damned. Um, what is it? It's Legion of the Damned. They're, they're a bit odd, though. I mean, but they are, or once again, they're supposed to be Marines that are all from different chapters that have gotten rid of their colours. Oh, it depends on the on the fluff version you're running um are you see black shields the black shields are specifically a, a death watch scene, aren't they they are now but they didn't used to be okay so i, I think that with the the whole primaris resurgence and remembering what used to happen back in the horus heresy yeah with some of those guys would know of the black shields concept they may decide to do that they might go well you know what screw it <laughs> yeah. we're no longer working for the emperor we're doing whatever we want to do not necessarily fall into chaos or, or we just don't we don't want to work for our Primarch or whatever or, yeah. our, or whatever the way this is going or yeah, you know. uh, honor guard maybe um a couple of ways you could get around it yeah, I mean you could play just, it, it is more difficult yeah definitely you could use the setting in terms of the, the Imperial Isle setting and basically say that, okay so you know you've chosen to do it in the Gilead sector which is for a large component cut off and each of these marines is the last survivor of their squad. Yeah. And, you know, they've they've until they can be reunited with their chapter, they are working together for say you know, for the sake of, of, of for, for, for ease and familiarity. You know. Yeah. Yep, the tactics the, the tactics aren't the same, but there are a lot of space marine tactics which are generic space marine tactics and therefore would work okay. Yeah. Um, likewise there's also the concept they're pulled together by the Inquisition, if you're running an Inquisition game. I mean, Wrath and Glory, I think, for the most part, is designed for more dynamic groups like a Space Marine and for other things. Yeah. But, you know, you could still do it with five Space Marines. I guess the other question then becomes, okay, we're all going to play Space Marines. We're all playing Tactical Marines. It's a Tier 3 game, so we're all make Tactical Marines. How do you differentiate your characters? How, how are you not just going to be five of the same? You know, we'll make one character and photocopy it four times. And I suppose here, um, I want to point to any war film slash TV show, you know, Thin Red Line, 
Saving Private Ryan, you know, whatever the case may be, where you've got, you know, sure, you've got a squad of, you know, 10 riflemen who all have, you know, the same gun, the same uniform, you know, um, the same basic training, but they still have distinct personalities, distinct backgrounds, distinct stories that are always represented in these sorts of, in these sorts of films and shows, you know, because they are still 10 individual people. Uh, and likewise, the same can be done here is, yes, you may all be, you can all be Marines from the exact same um, chapter, but you can still play five or six different people, um, each with their own specific goals, their own specific personality. Um, you don't have to be constrained to being the epitome of your chapter. You know, of, of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a little easier with some of the more divergent chapters. Like mm. if everyone's playing an ultramarine and they're all, you know, hypno-indoctrinated to the heel, yeah. fanatically loyal to the Codex Astartes, it's going to be a bit more difficult to give them personalities. Yeah. Um, or things like Iron Hands, where their personalities have been surgically removed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, if you look at things like, say, um, White Scars, Space Wolves, you know, they all have... Very distinct personalities. Yeah, because they're, cause they're generally... The, the, I, it seems like the more gregarious a chapter is, the more Person- dynamic personality that... Because I guess they have more personality in that respect, so... yeah. They rely less on the hypno-indoctrination thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I can see them like Blood Angels. Could, you can mix them up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think it would be harder with things like, like Ultramarines. Imperial Fist would be harder to do it with, I would think. Yeah. Um, Salamanders, maybe. Salamanders. Black, uh, sorry, Black Templars. Yeah. yeah black, you were about to say Black Legion. I was yeah. about to say Black Legion. They, they can have different personalities. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they can have multiple personalities. Yeah. Um, yeah, Black Templars could... I'd say probably you better stop with any of these characters you're going to play. If you're going to play a Marine, don't play the stereotype of their chapter. It's a bit boring. Yeah. They're all very carbon copy cookies. That being said, though, if you are playing a game of five Marines and you're all five Marines from the same chapter, you may want to have one person play the stereotype. Yeah. Because if you're like, if you're like five black sheep, that, that, that in itself <laughs> is... Yeah, but that could be a reason why it's only five of you working together away from, from the rest of the li- rest of the chapter. <laughs> Nobody likes you guys. When are you going to get that? <laughs> Just go away and adventure over there. Further we, we, we know you're five Black Templars and you don't mind Psychers and you're not too bad on the Xenos and you know what? You, none of you are any good at close combat. So we're going to send you over there to do stuff over there. That's it. You clearly didn't inherit our... Our world eater roots. <laughs> uh, all right, then. So hopefully that um, gives you some ideas. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the, the system supports it. Yeah. The system supports having a full group of space marines. It really comes down to working out what is a narrative, why are these characters together, and how are they, how are each person different? Because, spoiler alert, the five people coming to play the game are all different people as well. Yeah. Despite the fact they're all gamers, and they're all here this night. You know, they... Also have different backgrounds and needs and wants and yeah. All right, then let's uh, finish off the show, shall we? Yeah. All astropaths to the choir chamber. Message incoming. All right. So at this point in the show, we normally talk about feedback we've gotten. Uh, we've already mentioned um, the Simulacrat TV uh, YouTube channel, which I'll once again I'll link to. Um, but I'm actually going to ask for some some audience feedback via our Facebook page now, um, just regarding playing for this episode uh, because. Next show, um, the Yanari is coming out. Yeah. So in honor of sort of the Yanari stuff and the fact they're covering Yanari like in the White Dwarf for May, I thought we would talk about the Eldar species. So we're going to talk about 20 years. We're going to talk about 20 years, yeah. 
Um, well, I want to talk about the Inari specifically in Wrath and Glory because I get a sidebar in the main book, but also talk about how that can play into a Wrath and Glory campaign. And when it comes to doing the archetype, I try to think which archetype best fits Inari, the Corsair, the Ranger, or the Warlock. And you could really the apply... The old absolutely. <laughs> you could apply to another side. I'm going to put it back to the, the, to the audience. Let us know via Facebook whether you would prefer us to talk about the Corsair, the Ranger, or the Warlock in episode 105 of the show. Um, so remember, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash grimdartpodcast. Our website is www.grimdartpodcast.com. Our Twitter is at grimdartpodcast. And our email address is show at grimdartpodcast.com. Make sure if you listen to the show regularly and you're still you're watching it, listen to it like not live when it first comes out, that I'll be on um, Twitch TV again this uh this Thursday, US time, so it's 8 p.m. Eastern time in the US, which is 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Do you want to give a date for that? Uh, that would be the 25th of April. 25th so, of April, 2019. That's right, yeah. I, that would only happen if the show edited in the next sort of 24 hours, but you know, but I will still be on the same show again probably the following week, which is twitch.tv slash AP Gaming Reel. Um, I'll be on there at, uh, so yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern. On Thursday, that would be Thursday, then the 4th? Thursday the, Thursday the 2nd of May, or Friday the 3rd of May in Australia, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you want to watch me play Battletech Live and mint the the, uh, the regular the regular crew NGM, I probably won't be that bad. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Thanks for listening. Mike, thanks for joining in. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll try and get back to a better schedule now that my work situation has sorted itself out. And Mike's also managed to change change jobs within the same employer as well. So hopefully we'll get yeah. more of a... So, so hopefully I'll get more of a standardized routine going. Yeah, more, more, more visibility on what's happening with your roster going forward rather than waiting until the week before to find out. Yeah. And hopefully that means more gaming too. So yes. we can talk about more of our gaming experiences. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Games Workshop or Ulysses North America. Warhammer 40,000, Wrath and Glory, Dark Heresy, Road Trader, Deathwatch, Black Crusade, Only War, and all associated properties are trademark and or copyright of Games Workshop Limited. Ulysses North America is a trademark of Ulysses Median and Spiel Distribution GmbH. All other materials are trademarked to their respective owners. All original content is copyright of the Grim Dark Podcast. All rights are reserved by their respective owners. Our theme music was composed by Jens Kilsoffer and is used under license.